Hello, everyone. Welcome back to BungaCast. It's Friday, the 4th of November, and we're here to answer your questions. Uh, this is another Alpha Bonus bonus um, in which we look at your questions and comments and criticisms over the past month um, and discuss them. Um, the, the, the first ones all seem to concern um, Phil um, and whether he's okay. Phil, are you okay? What can I say? I'm I'm deeply touched by the concern of our listeners. Mm. I think I'm okay, but, uh, you know, maybe they know better <laughs> than I That's for them to judge. <laughs> exactly. George? Um, I also think Phil is okay, um, give or take, and I am yeah. myself it okay. Sometimes it doesn't feel like you genuinely think that, George. No, I'm, I I mean, I, I know the signs to, to look for if uh, a fellow podcaster is, is having a, a tough time, if they're getting angrier on each subsequent appearance, <laughs> well. for example. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah, Philip sounds quite chirpy today, so, um, so maybe it's not the best day even he's to explore a, this subject, but... He's um, got a ragu on the go. He's he's living the life. It's true. He's he's recording wearing uh, an apron, which is a, is a nice touch. I think it feels like you're really making stuff. You know, not just um, spewing well, into a mic. Is, is genuine. It's genuine work, right? <laughs> um, so the first question we're going to start with the last alpha bonus bonus um, in October. Alex McAuliffe asks: Is it a it it is a bit funny how much angrier Phil sounds on each subsequent appearance? Hope he's doing all right. Um, continuing on the Philip theme, uh, Kenneth Smith asks, and these are in reference to the episode we did on the death of Queen Elizabeth II, why is Phil so weird about the Queen? Like, I guess if you go by the kind of supposedly working class person who responds to polls asking their opinion on the Queen, I can buy those folks love her. But his assertion of supposed classism on the part of people who are sick of the pablum is ridiculous. Blake says on similar lines, Phil can't decide if he loves Cromwell more or the monarchy. And then Paul Brewer comes in uh, to defend Phil, saying, I don't find Phil at all weird about the late queen. I interpret Phil's position as there is no significant working class demand to abolish the monarchy. So we should build towards eventual abolition of, by advancing other working class demands in the meantime, until our success in those areas allows us to raise the question of the monarchy. Phil, does that uh, capture your position? Uh, somewhat. It's... um. It's more kind of a political assessment of the overall kind of uh, politics of the monarchy and the British state at the moment, which is to say that I don't think there would be any kind of um, that even with. So let me let me rephrase that. So it's not about kind of um, the weakness of uh, kind of working class politics or the organized labor movement means that any kind of pressure on the monarchy. Um, doesn't seem to me that it would lead anywhere good, right? Um, and also, it is not, you know, the main the main barrier to or the main kind of political challenge that we confront in Britain at the moment. Far from it. Um, and I think it does become kind of diversionary for a particular section of the of the middle classes. And it's not to say that there isn't a lot of um, pablum, as Kenneth Smith says in the press. Um, and, you know, quite a bit of it is, you know, kind of fairly nauseating as well. That's not I'm not disagreeing with that. But the um, I think the affection for the monarchy has to be, you know, kind of engaged with uh, kind of straightforwardly and honestly, rather than simply dismissed out of hand or derided. Um, and at the same time that there is among the kind, there is a distinctive, um, you know, curled lip, um, sneery kind of curled lip among some sections of the middle classes towards the fact that people like the monarchy. 
And rather than curling your lip, I think it's something to be, you know, understood. And if it's un- and it behooves, I think, Republicans in particular to try and understand affection for the monarchy rather than simply deriding it. Uh, I don't. I mean, my my experience in Britain was always that you know, yes, lefties might have you know um, this derision towards people's um, liking for the monarchy, but that not kind of more broadly amongst the middle class. Um, but that's my impression. Well, I mean, among yeah, I mean, among you know the left leaning liberal middle classes, I suppose what struck me this time round, and this isn't by any you know, I mean, it's not a scientific sample or anything, but and I don't know, maybe George. You know, I don't know, I'd be curious to hear if George felt similarly, but it did seem to me there was more kind of um, contempt among the British middle classes for the pageantry. And I'm sure the majority of them, you know, kind of um, felt, you know, their hearts flutter and felt kind of mournful and the rest of it when they saw the hearse moving down the mile and all of that. Um, but I think there did seem to me to be more, you know, more than I would have anticipated and certainly more than there would have been maybe 10 or 20 years ago of um, feeling that this was backward and embarrassing for us to be putting on this kind of show for the rest of the world. And perhaps that feeling was accentuated by Brexit, you know, so it feels worse to them because we're now outside of the European Union. Yeah, I think you can contrast the 2012 Olympics with the death of the Queen in terms of there were there was less um, discomfort with the 2012 Olympics because the the, the British brand has been tarnished um, by Brexit to a certain extent. And I mean, I think um, James Hartfield made this this point really astutely that 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 kind of genuine feeling for the Queen is, in a weird way, genuine feeling precisely for the institutions of social democracy that are often counterposed to the institution of the monarchy. So you end up having this kind of situation where projected onto the queen was all the things which are sometimes uh seem to be her her kind of her kind of opposite so i think there is a there is something to be um unpacked there to a certain extent um but yeah i think phil you're like yeah i think there was a little bit i think it's partly because there was a a lot of coverage of the the queen's death and uh, not the queen sorry not the queen's death but the queen's funeral and all of the the pageantry there and some of it just was like objectively quite ridiculous seeing the cold uh, stream guards so the beef eater people take their hats off and do like hurrah 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 for the for the new king it's like yeah i mean you can kind of say, say whatever you like about this uh old woman and her service to the country and uh flags and all this but that just like yeah you've got to go quite a long way to you've got to um, be though you know so i mean mentioning the point about cromwell blake i can tell blake i do like cromwell more than the monarchy but the coldstream guards have a particular kind of um role in the story right because they were one of the elite forces that helped to take um take over scotland when scotland sided with king charles or the aspirant charles ii and were successfully they were crushed by Cromwell's army and crushed by the units that would eventually become the Coldstream Guards, who were led by General Monk, who also had a role in restoring the monarchy under Charles II eventually after Cromwell's death. So the Coldstream Guards have a very ambivalent relationship, being kind of stalwarts of both the Restoration and the Republic. Mm, wow, history guy over here. Yeah. Um, just quickly uh, on, on Cromwell, though, if uh, listeners haven't seen it, the the film with Richard Harris as as Cromwell is well well worth the watch and the uh the final scene is is particularly um good but i won't i won't won't spoil it but well worth a watch 
Yeah, I mean, it's slightly tangential here, but um, drawing on a very different experience and stuff that I've been discussing about Brazil, about um, the politics of transcendence, uh, stuff that we discussed on the uh, last Bunga Zone, which we did uh, with Miguel Lago, um, and all these efforts for to kind of symbolize the people, these kind of populist attempts, whether it's you know the Bolsonaro version, which is exclusionary, or the Lulista one, which is more inclusionary, and so on. Um, and the desire for something beyond um, somehow the mundanity, the mundane struggles of life um, did put me, did, did kind of um, put me in a mind to think of how the queen is viewed, because there is there the, the kind of symbolic representation of the nation in a time in which all you're left with is kind of disaggregated consumer tedium and, you know, struggles in life, right? Um, I guess we could say we're all struggling consumers today, Um and uh, and and so something which is offers some notion of transcendence and answers the question which Benedict Anderson posed in in imagined communities of why are we here now and that the nation and uh, nationalism seeks to answer that um, you know that that's an, a, a question that goes wanting now I'm like I'm not a nationalist I'm not um, interested in kind of rebuilding the nation as a kind of self enclosed unit or anything like that um, but. You know, perhaps uh, uh, the better way to phrase is where are we going and who is the we here? Um, and that's a question which isn't uh, very much answered. And maybe the queen, for all the terrible limitations of monarchy and how backwards it is, um, does does do that because it's cross-generational. It points to the past and into the future. Um, and of course, it's continuity. So it's it's a deeply conservative conception of that. And most many conceptions of the nation are um, conservative and certainly one's like in a country like Britain or the old imperial powers, it, it certainly would be. So I'm not backing that, but um, it did gain me some sort of appreciation for, I guess, what the queen represented in the absence of of any kind of other alternative, um, providing some sort of transcendental notion of, of, uh, so of the who Brazilian, we are. So the Brazilian empire to defend you, restore the Brazilian empire to defend you from Bolsonaro. <laughs> nah, that's a leap. I don't even know how we got there. No. Um, <laughs> Hey there, you've reached the end of a short excerpt from an episode that's been released only to our patrons. If you'd like to join us and gain access to around two Patreon-exclusive episodes a month, please go to patreon.com slash bungacast. We'd love to have you.